You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Worshipology. As always, I am just uh, so grateful to be able to do this podcast, grateful to you for giving me about 20 to 30 minutes of your time as we dive in to the incredible topics behind worship. And uh, today, you know, this podcast airs October 18th, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. is when all of these podcasts go live. And today is a little extra special because October 18th is the release date uh, for my new book, Worshipology. And uh, this has been a labor of love. It's been about three years in the making. I have uh, put my heart, soul, mind, and strength into writing this book. And uh, just so excited. It is finally here. Worshipology, a biblical, practical, and spiritual guide to living and leading worship. And uh, this book uh, comes out with Core Media Group. It's been an absolute pleasure working with them to get this book out. You can get the book at worshipologybook.com. And uh, of course, if you want to order a bulk amount, whether it's for your church or for your team, please reach out to me, Kurt at CurtisParks.com. I'm going to have my email in the show notes today if you want to get a bundle of books for your team. Listen, the word ology or that uh, suffix ology is just the study of. And so, you know, biology or, you know, theology, the study of God. Anytime you see an ology, that's just the study of the preceding word. And so worshipology, simply put, the study of worship. We're diving into a lot of the Old Testament context of like, you know, Levites and and the priesthood and what does it look like uh, in that uh, day and age to uh, live a life of worship. Of course, David, the quintessential psalmist and worship leader, if the Old Testament had a model worship leader, David would uh, without a doubt be that figurehead. And then we look at the New Testament, you know, verses that talk about what is worship uh, unto God, Romans 12, 1 and John 4, 23, worshiping in spirit and truth. And of course, you know, you've got verses from Ephesians 5, 19, teach and admonish one another with wisdom using psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's so many incredible verses in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And uh, and so this is a book that just really dives into uh, what the Bible has to say about worship. And of course, it's 11 chapters. I didn't write this book on my own. I had a bunch of friends joining me. Every uh, chapter ends with a closing thought from a worship leader or an artist or a creative or a pastor, uh, many who have actually been on this podcast. And so I just want to do a quick uh, flyover. Today's podcast, I just want to talk about three things, really. Teaching your team to worship, number one. Uh, teaching your church to worship, number two, and then that third thing, which I think is huge in our country, in our churches, and in this day and age, building a culture of worship. What does it look like to have a culture of worship in your church, in your team, in your home? Um, and so those three topics are going to kind of be the the themes of today. And, you know, since I wrote a book, I've got obviously this podcast is called Worshipology. It's all about just resourcing the church, resourcing worship leaders, equipping worship teams uh, just to be a better leaders of worship, but most importantly, to be better worshipers of Jesus. Um, and so we've got the podcast called Worshipology. 
You guys may have heard a couple weeks ago, I announced the Worshipology community. Uh, we're going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. And this is just a an online community designed for worship leaders to, uh, you know, be a part of something deeper than just, you know, Facebook or something else that you might get out there. It's really just uh, a community, a place where we can share ideas, encourage one another, spur each other on to good deeds. Uh, as Paul wrote in the New Testament. And so the link to that is going to be in the show notes. Now, the book, I just want to do a quick flyover and I want to walk through, uh, you know, some of the chapters. So as you're listening and you're like, man, I would love to go deeper on that. I want to let you know you can uh, by checking out the book. Uh, it was pretty wild writing this book. Now, you know, for those who are interested in writing books, and I know I've talked to many of you, you've emailed, you've, uh, you know, sent messages in uh, just about your passions and your dreams. And some of you are writing blogs, others are actually in the process of writing books and writing songs and just creating resources. Man, I think that's amazing. I don't think there's enough resources out there. And I'm just grateful to lend a little bit of what God's given me to the Greater Church, capital C. But really, the process of writing a book is just writing your heart. You know, you're getting your heart, um, your passion out on to the pages of a book and you're sharing it with people. Uh, the process of writing a book has been uh, pretty intense. Like I said, this one took me about three years. Uh, the book that came out in 2016 with David C. Cook that I wrote, it was called Soundcheck. And uh, if you haven't checked that out, feel free to check that one out. That took about two years. Uh, and really that first book, I was just taking a ton of blog ideas and uh, I just kind of wrangled them together and I saw a common thread through all of these blogs that I was writing for about two years. And the common threads were authenticity, purpose, and excellence. And discovering that common thread was probably the first step into crafting it into a book. Um, you know, because if you're going to write a book on worship, you know, my goodness, there are so many different routes to take. And, uh, you know, this weekend I'm actually preaching a message on worship at my home church, uh, Destination Church, uh, which is just in that uh, Richmond, Virginia area where we call home. And so, you know, even as I'm preaching on worship, man, there's just so many things that I would love to share uh, but, you know, I've got 30 to 40 minutes on a Sunday to share. And so you really have to edit and condense and make it palatable and accessible to all people. So just like writing a message or writing a song, you know, songwriting for all the songwriters out there, you probably know what I'm talking about. Like you want to write about God's grace, his mercy, his love, his hope, his peace. And then you realize, wow, there are so many topics uh, in this song that I'm writing that you don't really know what it's about. And so I think one of the hardest parts about songwriting, preaching, and writing a book is simply editing. Um, editing is where you just kind of take it all down. What needs to be in here? Uh, what is it really that I want to streamline, focus on? And then you just put all your energy into that. And so with this, with this book, uh, it's kind of really in that textbook idea where Soundcheck, uh, my book six years ago, was more kind of testimony-based. Um, if it had a subtitle, I would have probably called it uh, Moving from Pride to Praise. And in that book, I really share a lot about my journey from American Idol to, to really laying down the dreams to make my name famous to uh, making God's name famous. So that book is really testimony-based. Uh, Worshipology, the new book, is... I would say more textbook based, where it's like really designed to help people learn and go through um, and ask and answer those questions. Um, are we leading worship in a biblical way? Are we, um, you know, honoring God with what our Sunday mornings may look like? 
Um, and then, of course, we just talk about a bunch of things. So some of these chapters, um, you know, I open up uh, sharing about my Genesis moment. And you probably noticed that as you listen to this podcast, I think we're about 21, 22 episodes in. And I usually just start off asking the other person uh, that I'm interviewing, hey, how did you get started in worship and in music? And I think it's just so important to know your Genesis moment. Like you got to know your why and your when behind what you're doing. And so I just kind of share a little bit about my Genesis moment, have some fun with that. I started leading worship when I was about 13 years old, had no idea what I was doing. My dad planted a church in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. And uh, yeah, I learned uh, under this guy, Scott Ormsby, he picked up an acoustic guitar and he was a phenomenal songwriter. And I just kind of hung out with him and learned you know, how to lead from an instrument. I learned how, you know, to dive into scripture and to match, you know, story with song and, and really to uh, pastor people through um, those early moments. And, you know, as a teenager, my dad gave me a lot of grace, I think, you know, and I'm sure there were so many mistakes and I'm still learning today, but man, it's so important to know your Genesis moment. So that's kind of how the book opens. Then chapter one is called Worship Teachers. And uh, this really leans into that um, Colossians 3.16, you know, and that says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Why I love that verse and why this chapter was written was really about that first part. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And when that happens, you've got the ability to teach and admonish one another. And for those who are leading worship, I mean, man, our context is songs of the spirit, it's psalms and hymns. And so using those as uh, teaching opportunities. So the first chapter is called Worship Teachers. And the closing thought is by a good friend of mine, David Santa Stephen. And for all you worship podcast junkies out there, you may recognize that name. He does the Beyond Sunday podcast. And man, it's probably my favorite worship podcast out there. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, you need to check that out. Um, he's interviewing worship leaders and songwriters, artists and pastors all the time and getting um, some incredible guests on there. And so that's chapter one, worship teachers. And then chapter two is worship playbook. And honestly, what I call the worship playbook, uh, you guys would call the book of Psalms. It's 150 uh, chapters, but really 150 songs smack dab in the middle of the Bible, uh, songs about lament, songs about triumph, songs of thanksgiving, uh, basically every topic under the sun, David and a plethora of songwriters writes these. And I just talk about in the book how the Psalms are really a gateway into uh, teaching worship. Uh, teaching your team, teaching your church how to worship. I mean, I don't think there's a Sunday that goes by where I'm not quoting out of the book of Psalms, maybe in a teaching moment in between song one and two. You know, I like to say, hey, this next song is about, um, you know, gratitude. And so in Psalm 100, you know, it says, I'll enter your courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I'll enter your courts with praise. Um, you know, or I'll talk out of Psalm 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I mean, obviously there's such a depth of uh, teaching, um, opportunities within the book of Psalms. And so the whole chapter is just about, um, you know, how do you utilize 
um, the book of Psalms as a sort of playbook, much like a coach would utilize his playbook to teach his team how to run offense and defense. I think we've got that in the Bible through the Psalms. And the closing thought is by Paul Wilbur, uh, just an absolute legend in worship. And I love Paul. Uh, he is such an inspiration and uh, he's actually been on this podcast before. So I think you're going to enjoy that chapter. That's chapter uh, two. And then pastoring through worship is chapter three. And I've got Aaron Keyes doing the closing thought on this. And uh, if you've ever heard Aaron uh, speak or lead worship at a conference, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I tell you uh, this guy uh, eats the Bible for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so I thought he would be an incredible addition to the book by kind of bringing that uh, pastoring through worship chapter to a close. And if there's one theme that we hit over and over again on this podcast, it's really probably that uh, pastoring others through worship. We're not just worship leaders, we're worship pastors. Uh, You know, worship leaders lead songs, worship pastors lead people, a quote by Aaron Keyes himself. And so I think that's going to be a valuable chapter in this book. The next chapter is really all about prayer. You know, I think prayer and worship go together like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, You've heard me say this before, that worship songs are really just prayers put to melody. Uh, I think if you uh, don't include prayer in your worship uh, services, uh, you're missing out on a huge opportunity uh, to really lean into God's presence and get closer to his heart. Uh, Prayer is that communication line between us and the Father. And so, uh, valuable chapter. I'm talking about praying with your team. I'm talking about praying for others, praying for your staff, uh, you know, even praying uh, for your church. What does that look like? And then, what does it look like in your worship services to implement prayer moments? You know, as you're leading worship, do you leave space and leave room to have those prayer moments? I think those are some powerful moments in God's presence uh, when you implement prayer into your worship service. And I've got uh, Clayton Brooks, uh, who has been on the podcast. Clayton is a worship pastor in North Carolina. Uh, Of course, he was at the Oaks uh, Church in Texas for a very long time. He's written some incredible songs, but Clayton is a guy, man, when I get around him, I feel closer to Jesus. uh, And that dude knows how to pray for others. And so I think that's going to be a powerful chapter in the book. Next chapter is, it's all about repentance, Uh, repentance and consecration, even I would say. Um, And, you know, honestly, like repentance is one of those things that uh, when we talk about worship, it doesn't come up as often as I think it should. And here's why. Uh, Bishop T.D. Jake said, you can't have revival without repentance. Okay, we're all talking about revival in our church in some form or fashion. I mean, we want to see revival in the here and now. We want to see God do uh, the incredible. We want to see the book of Acts come to life here in 2022. Um, But here's the deal. You cannot have revival uh, without repentance. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to to have moments of repentance in your worship service? What does it look like to live a life that's just kind of constantly on this rinse and repeat when it comes to repentance? Um, I think there's such a freedom in that. You know, God is quick and just to forgive our sins if we would confess them and repent. And so uh, we know that, man, God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. And so I think repentance is such a huge aspect of worship. And uh, we're missing out on, uh, on all that worship could be if we don't have uh, repentance in there. And so I've got that. Closing thought is by Chris Douglas, the worship director at National Community Church. Chris uh, was one of the first guests on our podcast. And uh, if you remember his story, if you know his life, if you've ever been around him, you know Chris is a guy uh, that lives out uh, this life of worship, consecration, and repentance. 
And then the next chapter is, uh, it's called A Church That Looks Like Heaven. And uh, man, really excited about this particular chapter because I think, you know, it's one of the most needed chapters in the book. You know, we have a lot of churches right now that are just kind of putting their uh, mode of ministry under the microscope and realizing like, man, this is definitely a one flavor fits all mentality. And and when you look at the body of Christ, when you look at um, the church in Acts, when you read the scriptures, you see that, man, it was a wild collection of people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, all different ethnicities. And uh, man, Jesus invites everyone to the table. And so uh, I want to see a church that looks like heaven, uh, where every tribe and tongue, every nation is bowing to Jesus Christ. And uh, every tongue confesses, every knee bows. And so that's a lot of people, a lot of different backgrounds. And so I talk a little bit about multicultural, uh, multi-generational worship. And, um, you know, if you've never seen um, or heard about Destination Church, where I'm at here in the Richmond, Virginia area, got to be honest, one of the most diverse churches I've ever been in. And it's um, just such an authentic way that we have about us, um, not forced and not uh, inauthentic in any way. And it's just a beautiful expression of the church. And so I thought, man, what better uh, person to get to, uh, to bring that chapter to a close than Dwan Hill. Dwan is a gift to the church. I mean, Dwan just won a Grammy for his work with C.C. Winans, uh, her Belief For It album. He, he's produced some incredible uh, art that is out there. He's doing some awesome things with the choir room. Uh, you've seen him all over Worship Leader Magazine right now, just adding his two cents to everything. And those are two cents I'll pick up seven days a week. And uh, Dwan is just a gift. He did an amazing job doing the closing thought on that chapter. And so I'm excited about Church That Looks Like Heaven. The next chapter is all about praise. Uh, Praise is our anthem. And this is a fun chapter because, you know, we talk about praise and worship. And I don't think a lot of people realize there is a difference between praise and worship. And I'm not going to dive into that right now. I dive into that through the books. If you're interested, check that out. Um, but really just what what is praise? I talk about the seven different Hebrew words for praise as we see them in scripture. I talk about, you know, different instances of praise for different moments in your life, uh, your response being praise. I think praise needs to be our first response and not our last resort. I talk about some moments of victory through scripture, specifically through the lens of praise. And then one of my favorite people on the planet, Jamia Wingard, she is a songwriter and artist. Uh, she was one of our worship leaders at Bridges Nashville. I think now she's at Zeal Church in uh, Nashville. But Jamia uh, is just such an inspirational worship, and that woman knows how to praise. And so she writes the closing thought for that chapter. Next chapter is is all about authenticity. And I think if there's one thing that I love to talk on, probably like my life's uh, stamp. It's really just talking about authenticity because it's something that I've wrestled with uh, most of my adult life. You know, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be phony. I want to be the real deal. Um, but oftentimes, you know, pride and and humility are just at this constant battle just to let you in to my world a little bit. Um, and maybe somebody out there resonates with that. You know, I think pride has been kind of like that thorn in my flesh. You know, the moment I have it beat, I'll let you know. 
but I think that's what keeps me humble in, in some way is just knowing that pride is always creeping right around the corner, rearing its ugly head. And so, man, I want to be authentic. And uh, I asked one of the most authentic guys I know, uh, Corey Voss. Uh, you've probably led his songs in your church. Uh, Corey, he has an incredible voice, an incredible heart, and he writes the closing thought on authenticity. Next chapter is on excellence. And I mean, you know, we talk about this a lot on this podcast. Uh, you know, excellence is so important. It honors God and God honors excellence. And so what does that two-way street look like? How do we bring excellence into worship without the fear of perfection? Whew, that is a big, big topic and uh, probably the longest chapter in the book because I think there's so much that uh, needs to be said on excellence. And uh, I'm so excited about the closing thought on that. It is by uh, Dan Rivera, who is uh, one of the leads at SEU Worship. And uh, I mean, SEU Worship right now is just crushing it. I love their songs. Uh, but more importantly, I just love Dan's heart. Um, he was honestly one of the first guys I got to hire when I was at National Community Church. And uh, he just took our church uh, to another level in our excellence and in our heart of worship. And so, man, what a powerful chapter. Grateful for Dan for contributing his thoughts on that. There's a, so uh, there's a chapter for the songwriters. So there's a chapter called Sing a New Song, chapter 10. And, uh, you know, we dive into why did David write six times throughout the book of Psalms, sing a new song. I think it was a call to all the creatives, you know, and David himself, the quintessential psalmist. I mean, uh, I was reading today that some biblical scholars believe he wrote 4,000 psalms. Now, we've got 73 of them in Scripture, um, but there are so many different, uh, you know, articles of history that have been found over the years. And uh, David, man, 4,000, that would not shock me in the least because this is a guy that was just, it was his second language was songs. And so he often would tell others, sing a new song. And he urged others to do the same. And, you know, I think for every season, there's a song. I think, you know, worship songs uh, can become altar moments in our lives. You know, I look back on my life and I see um, certain songs that just marked a season. And whenever I sing those songs again, man, it just reminds me of God's faithfulness. So I think it's so important that we're writing songs for all of those who are uh, aspiring songwriters. Man, this is a chapter for you. I talk about the biblical context of that. I talk about the, uh, the calling and the purpose behind that. Not just for fun, not just to scratch an itch, but really it is a calling. And then Ian Zumbach uh, writes the closing thought on that. If you've never heard Ian Zumbach's music, you're missing out. Um, he's got one of the coolest Americana folk uh, voices out there. Uh, he is with, um, he does a lot of stuff with Brothers McClurg and uh, Old Bear Records. Uh, he's got an album out there called The Table, one of the most beautiful worship records I've ever listened to. But he's such a, uh, a gift to the church. He was one of our worship leaders at Bridges Nashville. Love that guy with all my heart. Ian Zimbeck uh, brought a lot to that chapter. And then the last chapter of the book, I closed out uh, on, uh, on a topic that uh, is so dear to my heart. Uh, what is Selah? S-E-L-A-H. It's a word we see smattered throughout the Psalms. Um, you know, we don't have a great word in our English language to define what that is, but I just, I, I really lean into, it's kind of more of a scholarly chapter if there is one in the book. 
Um, why do we need Selah? You know, resting and waiting and uh, not just rushing on. And so, uh, good friend Chrissy Nordoff, she's been on the podcast. Chrissy leads Brave Worship and uh, she leads writing worship intensives. And she's just a gift to the church. And she did her closing thought on that chapter. And so, that's how we end the book. So, as you can tell, it is a wide array of topics and subjects and a wide array of worship leaders and worship artists that lend their voice to this thing. And I'm just so grateful to each and every one of them. Uh, I not only call them friends, I call them gifts because that's exactly what they are. And so, you know, this book is just designed to be a resource to teach your team how to worship. Um, And I hope this hasn't been a 20 minute commercial for the book. You know, really my heart is and my hope is that anybody that wants one, even if you can't afford a copy, uh, please reach out to me. I want to get one in your hands. Um, This book was really just designed to equip and resource. And I count it the greatest joy and privilege in my ministry uh, to be able to do stuff like this. And so seriously, if you want a book and you're not able to uh, pay for it, let me know. Uh, it's, it's, it's an absolute joy to get it in your hands. So it's designed to teach your team how to worship. I think that's huge. First and foremost, if you've got a worship team, um, you've got a group of people who have given up time, talent, and treasure, uh, to sow into the church and sow into ministry. And so, man, you've got to teach your team how to worship. Um, for every worship leader, worship pastor listening, uh, your team, man, you got to steward those relationships. Don't just use people to fill Sunday roles. No, these are people that you're called to disciple. Uh, You're called to do this life with. You're called to journey alongside of. And so teaching them how to worship, man, uh, you do that by example. You do that through um, just your heart and your, your life lived out. And, uh, and I think this book can actually be a really good gathering point, you know, uh, maybe in your times of devotion on Sundays or during rehearsals or if you have team night. Um, and I love team night. This is a, a night of the month where we all get together. Um, the way it goes for us at Destination Church, our team night, we get together, we share a meal. Uh, we have a time of worship together, usually stripped down acoustic. That way we don't have to get, you know, production team involved and media and all that stuff. We can just keep it super low key and casual, Um, but it gives our team a chance to worship together. And then I'll share a quick, you know, 15, 20 minute message to just kind of rally the troops, usually something out of, um, you know, just whatever that week has been, um, you know, whatever God's been speaking to my heart could be something out of scripture. It could be something in my daily life. It could be a song that we're working on, but, um, you know, team night is such a valuable way to teach your team to worship, to grow the community aspect in your team. And uh, yeah, so teach your team how to worship. Such a huge thing because you guys are the ones that are leading worship in your church. And so if you don't know how to worship, how can you expect others uh, to worship with you? And so that's the second thing, teaching your church how to worship. Man, I've just been living in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And so I love that it says when we come together, it's not just one person doing one thing. No, man, there's, there's a hymn, there's a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. And uh, man, I tell you what, we've got to teach our church uh, how to worship. 
And so if you've got that word of instruction, you can combine that with the hymn. And then that's a double, a double dose right there. I mean, teaching your church how to worship, um, you know, and I've talked through this podcast many times about, you know, finding those moments in a worship service where you can naturally do that. Um, you know, especially the, the, the posture of worship. Now this is huge. Um, because, you know, I think so many times we just expect people to raise their hands and worship, but so many people are like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I raising my hand or, or why is everybody's eyes closed? Or why is like this song loud and this song quiet? Or somebody may be walking into church and just say, why are we doing music? You know, and we've got to expect people in our church that have no idea or no concept or context for, for what, what's happening. Um, because many weekends, that's exactly who is in our seats. And so you've got to teach your church how to worship. Find those moments um, where you can just share a psalm that talks about, you know, I, and of course, raising, raising your hands in church is probably one of the most foreign concepts to, to newcomers. And so, you know, finding where it talks about that in scripture. I love uh, Psalm 63, verse four. I love 1 Timothy 2, 8. It talks about lifting up holy hands. I love Psalm 47, verse one. I think it is. It says, clap your hands, O you nations, shout to God with cries of joy. We've got to find ways of teaching our church how to worship uh, coming out of the book of Psalms, coming out of uh, all of scripture. And uh, I think that's such a valuable way that, uh, especially for the newcomers to, to learn how to worship is when you just rally behind the word of God. Uh, and so teaching your church how to worship. And then the third thing that I want to hit that I think this book uh, could be a resource for is, is building that culture of worship. You know, does your church have a culture of worship? And here's what I mean by that. Is worship just looked at as a set of three or four songs to get to the message? Is it just a warm up for church? Like do half of your people come in during song two? Okay. That just to me, it it communicates there's not really a culture of worship here. And I think it kind of centers around one word, expectation, expectation. So you know, I think part of our, our role as worship leaders is to put a magnifying glass on the character of God and to show people, man, like God is worthy of our praise. He has been good. He has been faithful in your life. So man, let's come together to worship God. Let's lift up a song. Let's lift up a shout of praise. And when the expectation is there that God is going to move, that God does, in fact, Psalm 22 verse three, inhabits the praises of his people, that when we worship God, the presence of God is so tangible. The presence of God is here that as we worship, Worship. You know, I, I love the message version of Psalm 100. It says something like, you know, sing your way into his presence. Man, like that is so, so powerful. So there's something obviously correlated between singing and worship and God's presence. And there needs to be an expectation behind that. If people don't understand, like, man, I heard a pastor once say in a conference that like, God's only limitation is your expectation. You know, so if you come to church and you're like, yeah, let's just get these three songs and this message over with. I got to get home for the football game or, you know, I've got stuff to do later today. Man, your level of expectation is so low. Hey, guess what? You're probably not going to get a whole lot out of the message. Worship may not be a groundbreaking moment for you, but if you come in and you're just desperate for the presence of God, you come in uh, to a service and it's not saying that anything is special or unique about the building, but there is something special and unique about the gathering. Okay. I mean, and this could go off in a whole nother tangent, just what is the church and why do we need to gather together? But there's something powerful about being in community with others. You know, it talks about in first Peter that we are a royal priesthood. And when we all come together, man, that's that holy nation that, that, that the chosen people 
to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And when you have that expectation that, man, we're going to lift up a song of praise. We're going to worship God for who he is and for what he's done. And you've got, you know, dozens or hundreds or even thousands of people singing together. Man, how can you not expect God to do something powerful? So come in with your expectation. Is there that culture of expectation at your church? And if there's not, don't be dismayed. Don't be disheartened. I think, you know, as a worship leader or a worship team member, you get the opportunity of being a pole bearer in that vision of creating a culture of worship. And so, man, I I think this book can be a resource for that as well. Uh, And I'm just so excited to get to preach this weekend at my home church, excited for this book to drop. Um, Seriously, if if this podcast has in any way encouraged you or inspired you, man, please keep reaching out. Uh, It does my soul good to hear from you. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. God bless. And uh, yeah, it's been so good to be with you today. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.